My name is Myrna Khan. My definition of relentless is being audaciously tenacious, meaning being tenacious but taking a lot of risks when you do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Relentless Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Dubay, and today's guest, this is pretty cool, uh, came together, well, you shouldn't laugh yet, <laughs> came, to, came together fairly quickly. We just recently met, and then boom, 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 we made this happen. Uh, we've got a very cool connection we're going to talk about, but this is Myrna Khan, who is the executive director of the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation. Myrna, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, we met literally two or three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, Myrna is on the board of the CN Community Foundation. Co- community yeah. Foundation, but they don't call it a community board. It's Community they Foundation. They do. They okay. count Community Foundation. Community, yeah. yeah. And we were, You Can Use Services, who I work for, was mm-hmm. very fortunate to get a nice donation mm-hmm. from them. And you were the one that came out and took the picture with the big check. With the big check, yeah. Which was great. And then, of course, because of the fact that you work for the Amazon Oilers Community Foundation, um, we got talking about a lot of other things. And you got to, we gave you the tour of You Can yeah. and all that type of stuff. Um, Myrna, we're going to get into your career. We're going to get into how you had to be relentless uh, moving your ways up and in, into the different organizations and companies that you've worked for. But let's talk about where you come from. Mm-hmm. Where do I come from? I come from my parents. Yes. So I'm going to start with that. <laughs> Excellent. Because when I honestly, Kyle, when I think about relentless, and I, I think about relentless in terms of being really audacious in terms of taking risks. Yeah. And I think that my parents took the biggest risk when they came here to Canada. Hmm. So they came here to Canada in the late 60s. My mom was a nurse from the Philippines. My dad had gone to states, uh, university in the States, and he's from Guyana originally. And they ended up in McLennan, Alberta, of all places, which is a place that we connected yes. on. So uh, my mom came to, the, to, to McLennan, didn't really know anybody, came in the middle of winter. She talked about, you know, working in the hospital and the doors freezing in the dorm where she was staying. And then my dad landed in Edmonton, and his job was to open up social service offices all over northern Alberta because they didn't exist at the time. And he landed in Edmonton. He stayed at the YMCA downtown Edmonton. And his director kind of looked at him and said, well, where do you want to go? And my dad, not knowing anything about Alberta, said, send me anywhere. Now, this, yeah. was, in the, this was in the middle of summer. So he, uh, the director says, okay, I'm going to send you to high-level Alberta, which is mm. the most northern yeah. place possible. So he goes up there. Uh, his territory includes McLennan. They meet. They met at a wedding. My dad was the best man. My mom was the maid of honor. Um, they met. and uh, it, they was, the, in- was it the wedding in McLaren? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they met and they fell in love. Um, my mom is Catholic and from the Philippines. My dad is Muslim and from Guyana. And uh, they had to work through a lot of shit to be able- Can I swear on this thing? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so, so, okay, let's stop right here. Yeah. Catholic from the Philippines. Muslim, Muslim from Guyana. From Guyana. And what year is this? This is nineteen sixty eight that they got married. So this is nineteen sixty eight. Yes. This isn't nineteen ninety eight, no. two thousand eight, do that. Like this is at a time yes. when that wasn't it's not even that it was unheard of, it was so unheard of. It was so unheard of. Right. It was so unheard of. And so my dad converted to marry my mom and mm. that wasn't good enough. I my mom tells me stories about 
her calling her dad in the Philippines and him ending up in the hospital because he was so distraught oh. about. I know. <laughs> but he. Ended, I should laugh. I should laugh at that. But it's like. But he ended up being my uh, being his favorite son-in-law yeah. at, at the end of the day. But yeah, they got married. Um, so again, in terms of take, being audacious and taking risks, they took a risk to do that. And then they ended up in Edmonton, uh, where they where they had me. So Did they live in McLe- McLennan. Yeah, they lived in so, McLennan proper. Just so everyone knows, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Myrna and I met. We it was because of CN. Yeah. And I started telling you how my dad was an engineer in the railroad. Yeah. yeah. On the NAR, the Northern Alberta Railroad, and I said, yeah, my first five years of life, almost six years of life, I lived in. This, I said this little town, and I go, you've probably never heard of it called McLennan, Alberta. And you're you looked at me with like what? <laughs> and then you told me the story yeah. of your parents, and we had this McLennan. We connection. had a McLennan connection. I guarantee you that ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people that are listening to this have no idea where McLennan is. I want to say it's about six hours it's north. It's far. And- it's small. It and is it's small. North. When we lived there, I think there was twelve hundred people. Oh. I think there's maybe six, five, six hundred yeah. people there now, but yeah. very north, very cold. Yeah. And I didn't know anybody else who would even know who yeah. McLennan was. So it was this cool connection, and then boom, we just took yeah. off with stories. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, anyways, back to then they moved to Edmonton. Then they moved to Edmonton. And they, they made you. They made me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up uh, in Castle Downs, North Side. Yeah. So I'm, you know, badass and all of that. That's right. Tough. Tough course tough uh went to school at the u of a and then uh ended up doing uh, an mba at mcgill university okay. yeah and that's where i actually met my husband we've been yeah. together now for 30 years married uh-huh. for 25 yeah. right on um and so coming out of the mba i didn't really know what i wanted to do at that point um but i do remember how i got my first job so i was part of a group that was planning a job fair and so we'd invited all these companies like mckinsey and procter and gamble and and uh, one of those companies was cn cn mm-hmm. rail yeah and so because i was one of the organizers i had to make sure that everybody had all the tables had a student at the table and nobody wanted to sit at the cn table they were still a they were still a government organization right, at right, the time right. right so i sit at the cn table and it's the CEO and all of his people, right? Because I didn't know this at the time, but they were going to go through an initial public offering to go to go private. So they were right. looking for new blood to come in. Hmm. So I'm like, I don't want to work for a railway. But anyway, I found them really interesting. And by the end of the conversation, I'm like, you know what? I think I could work for a railway. So the next day, I find the fax number because there was no email at the time. I find the fax number for the CEO. I write up a memo and I put a title on the memo called uh, shit disturbing in 70 hour weeks because we talked about okay. the fact that he needed someone to do that shit disturb and work 70 hour weeks so I faxed it and then the next like within a couple hours he called me and he said I need you to come and work for the railway um, that, so, that is cool yeah that yeah. like very perceptive on your part to pick up on that yeah. include that and, and anyone young people listening to this that are thinking like you got to be sometimes really innovative whenever you're trying to get and you work you gotta like you gotta like again be audacious you gotta, you gotta take that relentless. risk you got nothing to lose really you like you what is he gonna be say relentless <laughs> so ended up working there was part of a group of 10 mbas across the country that uh were part of this ipo program. I was there for four years yeah and then during the lived in montreal lived in toronto and then at that point my husband andrew who i'd met uh, in the mba program we decided to get married and we thought that um, there will be no other time in our lives to have big adventures than then. So we both quit our jobs. He was working at 3M. I was working at CN after we got married. And we traveled for a year. Mm. 
and we traveled all over Asia, India, backpacked, did all that stuff. And yeah. it was the best thing to do, the yeah, best yeah. thing to do for just building a relationship and the best thing to do in terms of perspective yeah. and, you know, how good we have it here and, and how, uh, you know, I see things that are happening in the world and it, and it pains me, right? Because we, we have a good, we have a good here in Canada, but mm. you know, things are going on out there. So mm -hmm. we, we did that. And on our way back after that year of traveling, we didn't have any place to live. Uh, so on our way back to Edmonton, because my parents are here, we stopped in Vancouver. And it was just one of those glorious, beautiful, sunny days that people in Vancouver say don't exist because they don't want people to move to Vancouver. That's right. And we're like, shit, we're going to move here. Yeah. Right? So we landed there. We didn't have jobs. Um, but I ended up getting a job with a small, uh, small not-for-profit called Canadian Business for Social Responsibility. And this is when this concept of CSR and sustainability was really, really new and people just... And maybe for people that don't mm -hmm. know, what does CSR mean? CSR means corporate social responsibility. So there it's the go. idea, thank you, Kyle. It's the idea of businesses doing well by doing good. Yeah. And so ended up being there for about uh, 10 to 12 years and, you know, helped with consulting and so forth. And... Um, and then we were, I don't know how personal we're going to get here. Should yeah, you get, get as personal as you'd like. <laughs> you can get personal, okay. Absolutely. Um, so at that point, you know, I was in my mid-30s and we're like, okay, maybe it's time to try to have a, try to have a family. Mm. So we're trying to have a family and it wasn't working, it wasn't working. And then, you know, we each got all our pipes checked out and everything. And, uh, and then we found out that Andrew had cancer. Oh. And so, you know, he, testicular cancer. So we went through uh, some treatments and so forth. And that just kind of kiboshed the idea of like having kids. So we went through that for a few years. And then uh, coming out the other side, we tried to tried to have get pregnant again. It didn't happen. And, and just when we were um, just when we were thinking that we were going to be that couple, we were going to be that fabulous couple with no kids mm. that's going to travel the world and live this most beautiful, adventurous life. Then we had the opportunity to adopt a kid from the Philippines who was connected to my family in the Philippines. Oh, okay. So then we went through that process of, of adoption and, and it took, my goodness, if they only put parents through what we had to, I mean, we did psychological tests and criminal checks and all these things. It took a year. They should really be doing that for people oh, who, are, who, who are trying to I have know. children. Yeah. So we did that and it was just so taking so fucking long yeah. that at some point we just said, we're going, we went to the Philippines and we said, we're just going to stay here until it happens. And so what thought we thought was going to be, um, two or three months, we were there for a year. Oh wow. Yeah. We were there for a year. And, you know, kind of like... She try. just picked up, left her jobs, went. Well, yeah, you got to... That's you gotta, amazing. You got you to gotta go for it, But that's right? amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was important enough for yeah. us, right? So we did that. We were there for a year, um, you know, doing our best to try to get back home. But then I, looking back on it, I realized that it was a gift because during that time we were with my daughter, Gracie, um, and we were actually able to spend time together and... and build a family sure. together. So, so we came back and, um, uh, you know, I went back to work and Andrew went back to work. And then the, the thing that I was missing the most in Vancouver was the thing that I had here all along. So I was one of those people when I left Edmonton, I said I would never come back in a million years. Right. I thought everything was good everywhere else. I know a ton of people like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, Got family here, community, whatever. So we, again, 
quit our jobs, came here, didn't have any work, um, stayed with my parents for a while as we figured out what we wanted to do. And, um, you know, what I love about Edmonton is that they really do embrace people mm. when, when they come here. So I reached out to a few people. Uh, one of those people was uh, Dave Mowat, who was the former CEO of ATB. ATB yeah. yeah, that's right. So I knew him when he was in Vancouver because he was the CEO of Van City. So I called him up and I said, hey, Dave, like, I've been away for 20, 25 years. Like, everybody I know probably doesn't remember me. Can you help me out? And so he brought together a group of people at his house and we got introduced. And, and from that, I found out that we had, um, that the United Way had a, a job as a VP of resource development. And I said, hey, I've never done fundraising before, but I get corporate social responsibility and community investment. So I applied for the job and I got it, which was great. And that was just a really great way to get back into the community because the United Way knows everybody. So. So Dave, essentially, you call him. Yeah. He sets up a personal networking yeah. event at, at his, his house, house at for his house. you. Yes. That's a good guy. He's a good guy. Wow. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. There's a lot, and there's lots of good people Absolutely. That, that I've connected with along the way. That just but that's such a cool story. Yeah. That, yeah. that he was willing to go, okay, well, how can we help? Yeah. I'm going to just invite a bunch of people over. Yeah. We're going to... Whatever, have some snacky snacks yeah. and Myrna, do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked. It worked. It worked. So how long were you with United Way? I was there for four and a half years. Do you know Kevin Fitzgerald? Yeah. I yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I know him because he worked with me and then I hired him when I went to McEwen. McEwen. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. <laughs> he's a good dude. Little Ned Flanders. <laughs> he's, he's he's such an awesome man. Oh, he's he I have really all is. the time in the day. He for him. in in the in the early days of UCAN, yeah. uh, a couple of his kids got pretty involved with us, yeah. volunteering with us. Oh, excellent. And um he ended up coming on when he was still working for the big bank. Yeah. Just volunteering to help raise a little bit of money yet like we used to do run walks yeah. and and then uh and he 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 did become almost a mentor in yeah. a way yeah but kind of an unofficial mentor and he taught me so much yeah. and i'll tell you one lesson he taught me i'm not trying to railroad this but uh man we're just pumping kevin's tires up here um and that came out of left field for you mm-hmm. um but i remember talking to him he came we had a meeting or something that night for whatever and i had fired somebody Mm. And he went, oh, how'd that go? Mm-hmm. And I said, I wasn't good. I said, this person was just shocked. And he went, oh. And this is what I love about him. He goes, well, that's your fault. <laughs> and I went, I go, what? Yeah. He goes, you ever fire anybody, they better not be shocked. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was just those little tidbits yeah. that he gave me along the way. He's yeah. such a good guy. He is. Such a good guy. He well, is. there you go. Okay. There you go. Back into, you You were at um, United Way. Yeah. Doing some good stuff. You got into this fundraising world. Yes. Yeah, right? I did. I did. And then from there went to... Yeah, so the great thing about United Way is that I got to meet everybody, right? It's such mm-hmm. a strong organization and does such great work. And through that, I got to meet uh, a woman named Carolyn Campbell, who's now the president of Northwest University, mm-hmm. Northwest College. Uh, but she, at the time, was brought onto the city to create a brand new um, uh, department for the city. 
And uh, she said, Myrna, I want to talk to you about maybe being the branch manager of external relations. Because typically, uh, cities and government organizations don't really think about external relations, like building relationships. It's usually just issues management in the moment. And But you know, from an external relations perspective, if you build up enough credibility and trust in the in the bank, when those issues come down the pipe, you'll be able to work through it together. So yeah. that was the idea behind it. So I was there for just under two years and helped build this department and build this branch. And then through the building of the branch and, and meeting, uh, meeting people through that, I got to know McEwen. Um, McEwen uh, was looking for their very first vice president university relations, which is fundraising, community relations, government relations, marketing comms. For an institution of that size, it was odd that they didn't have that right, role. Right, right. When I read that about you, because you know we do a little, yeah. I was actually surprised that yeah. that that was the first, the first one. one that they had yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So they asked me to to interview for that, and I did, and I got the job, um, and it was great because I, I think throughout my career, and it, this stands the same for the Oilers Foundation as well, is that I love being in places where they want to build something new or they want to break something apart. And make it better. Right. So I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a sustainer. Right. I'm like a go in, make shit happen, yeah. um, build it up, and then I might get a little bit bored, and then I go on to the next thing. <laughs> sure, sure. So did that at McEwen uh, for, I was there for just under five years or maybe four and a half years, and then my dream job came along. Like, I mean, when I was, a t so I was a teenager in the 80s when they were winning all their mm, Stanley Cups. Me too. I mean, the best. They, they were everything. They were like rock stars. I tell you, it's such a trip to be walking around OEG headquarters and like, there's Kevin Lowe. I'm so and jealous. There's of Craig you. Simpson. I'm, I'm like, honestly so jealous I can't of you. even like. We used to go and get their autographs. Right. So I had Randy Gregg on here, mm. and I fanboyed out so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like a couple of my buddies were like, Dubai, that was a bit much," and I'm like. I had never met him. And yeah. some, some of my buddies are like, well, he's my doctor. And I'm like, he ain't my doctor. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy that won five Stanley Cups with the Oilers. Yeah. And like, boys on the bus. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's what a dream. a dream. It's a dream. Yeah. So they reach out to me and they say, well, you know, the community foundation uh, is looking for a new executive director. And I thought, well, that would be cool. But what was really important to me, though, is the fact that they wanted to be very transformational in their thinking. Mm. So they didn't want to just keep doing what they were doing. They realized that because of the, the, the passion of the fans and the, the success of the 50-50, they had a, a responsibility and, and an opportunity to do something big. Um, it is, if I'm not mistaken, it is the biggest 50-50 in like all major sports, yeah. is it not? Yes, Wow. it is. Why do you think that is? Oh yes, that's the that's the million dollar question. Isn't well, it I have, interesting? I, I have some theories. Um, first of all, there's no fan like an Oilers fan, mm. right? I mean, it's, we are the best. It's like it really is like religion here, mm. and it's not just Edmonton. It's like you know, oil country, Saskatchewan, BC, right? One of my best buddies. It lives in Belfast, born and raised in Belfast. I met him when he was 19 on this work we were doing there. I'm talking to this 19-year-old kid who knows more about the NHL than I do when I grew up. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. And then, of course, huge Oilers fan yeah. because of meeting all of us from Edmonton. Yeah. He is so hardcore, yeah. loyal to the oil. Yeah. It is insane. It's insane. It's insane. So there's Shout out to Aaron Fletcher. <laughs> 
So there's that, right? There's just this passion for, there's no, and there's, I mean, the Elks exist, of course, but there's no other, there's no other team. So there's passion for the Oilers for sure. I think that there is just a generosity of get shit done spirit here in mm. like this pioneer attitude we just help each other we just but, help each other let's take the, let's take the Oilers out of the yeah. equation Edmonton is unbelievably giving yes if yeah. it, anytime you hear of a campaign anytime you hear of things that are going on and there's it's a it's a, you uh, you will almost put it in a crisis mode of we need this now yeah. it gets done it gets done and it's been like that since since I remember yeah. as a kid yeah. hearing about that stuff so that's just Edmonton it's Edmonton you know what Kyle and it's an it's it let's get it done and let's not worry about the fanfare behind it right. we're just gonna roll up our sleeves get it done right and don't care about you know our name on a plaque no. over here and this over there it's just we're gonna get shit done mm-hmm. so yeah that's I think that's part of it too the the oil the there's a generosity. I mean, oftentimes when we're at check presentations for the winners of the 50-50, they'll tell us and they'll say, I, I, didn't even, I had no desire. I didn't think I was going to win. Well, I was just going to like, I just wanted to, yeah. I just wanted to Give a little support. money to make that charity, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and we know the, the Oilers group also, we're a professional organization. We do invest a lot of money to make that 50-50 as successful as possible as yeah. well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, ride but, the wave until it's done. We're going to ride the wave until we can. Ride yeah. the wave until it's done. Yeah. It's making a big impact. Yeah. So you end up getting this job yeah. uh, early 2023. Yeah. So you've yeah. been there almost a year. Yes. Um, let's step back a little bit. Yeah. In these other roles that you had, leadership roles, mm-hmm. transformational roles, mm-hmm. like you said, you like to get in. Let's crack some shit up here. Mm-hmm. Let's change some stuff. Let's mm-hmm. think outside the boxes. Why are you like that? <laughs> Why am I like that? Because I, I get what you're saying. I'll let you think about that. Yeah, I yeah. get what you're saying. Because one thing that I love about my job, uh, and I feel very, very fortunate, blessed, whatever you want to call it, is for the most part, no two days are the same. Mm-hmm. And now they might be the same, but it's eight weeks later. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not doing the same thing every day. I love the variety of my mm-hmm. job. I love the variety of different people I'm talking mm-hmm. to. And it could be anything from a young person to a sponsor to mm-hmm. a government, to everyone in between. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my job is kind of broken up all the time mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I get bored too. Yeah. yeah. I get bored too. And I do yeah. wonder sometimes when I've read about leadership or whenever I talk about leadership with other people, I actually think a lot of leaders do get bored. Yeah quickly because they want to be challenged and yeah. they want to see movement and things. You get what I'm saying? Like Totally. Is that I'm assuming that's part of you. That's 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 resonating with me and I think I don't know where I get it from, but you know, based on the decisions that I've made whether in personal life or or work life, that's always been the case. You're a bit of an adventurer though. Yeah, I think because so. Because when, when, when you're talking about, and we just got up and we thought, let's now's the time to travel. So we yeah. traveled for a year. And then the adoption wasn't going fast enough. Okay, we're going to go move to the Philippines. Yeah. And we're, like you are an adventurer. Yeah. yeah. I think part of it too though is, is I do remember as a kid growing up and being underestimated by people. Mm. And so part of it may be just the fact that I'm always constantly trying to prove myself as mm. well right so there, i think that's always part of you know being a woman being a woman of color mm. like that's something that you know, i often talk about other women who you know are my age and grew up you know a woman woman of color kind of the things that make us who we are mm. and and that is certainly one of those things mm-hmm. that makes sense to me mm-hmm. 
And I really do believe that that people who grew up who maybe were underestimated mm-hmm. or at least felt that way. Mm-hmm. But probably it's like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I could say a little bit about that, me too. But let's be honest, I'm a white kid from St. Albert, mm-hmm. a male, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I had feelings like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I had my grade eight school counselor slash social teacher say, Dubai, you're going to amount to nothing. Mm-hmm. Literally said, mm-hmm. you will amount to nothing. Because mm-hmm. he was pissed off at me for me being mm-hmm. an idiot because I was mm-hmm. an idiot. And it, that affected me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deeply. It does. You know? Yeah. So there is, the, uh, I do think that a lot of leaders do have a little bit of a, you know, swearing alert, a fuck you attitude. Yeah. You know, yeah. and no, I'm going to do this just kind of because you said that I can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's exactly. almost like in, in, in spite, spite of, of yeah. you know, yeah. Um, which I think can be a real driving force mm-hmm. and very motivating, mm-hmm. which is obviously what you did in a lot of your career. Yes. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt the Relentless Podcast, everybody, although this is a very good message. We want you to go and check out our Relentless Merchandise Store. That's right. We have launched a merchandise store for all of our Relentless garb. We've got t-shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got crew necks. We've got hats. We've got toques. And we're going to be coming out with some more merchandise in the very near future. So please, www.ucan.ca, that's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca. When you get to the website, you look up to the top right corner. I think it says, buy our merch. Hit that button, boom, it'll take you there. We really want you to wear our stuff. One, because every dollar raised goes directly into our programming for the young people we work with. And two, because it's a conversation starter for you. When you wear it, people are going to go, what's relentless? You can then brag about how you support an incredibly good organization helping young people. And then you can talk about how you are relentless in your life. That's what we want. We don't want us to just be relentless. We want you to be relentless too. Thanks for your support. And we appreciate you helping us out. Now, back to the show. So then you get this dream job, hardcore Oilers fan. Yes. Like me. Like you and I are very similar because yeah. we grew up in the same era. Yeah. Yeah. Where those guys were gods. They were like... They, gods. Oh, I know. I mean, I remember <laughs> waiting outside uh, the Coliseum to get their autographs mm-hmm. with throngs and throngs mm-hmm. of people and the autograph sessions. Like, yeah, they were... It was crazy. It was crazy. So now you get this job. Yeah. And like you said, you're you're walking the halls and there's Kalo. Yeah. And and uh, Simpson. Yeah. And I bet you sometimes the alumni are showing up here and there where all of a sudden there's Paul Coffey yeah. and there's maybe Mark Messier <laughs> or Gretzky. I haven't seen him yet. No? <laughs> no, not yet. So what do you do? Because you got to be all professional, well, I gotta, right? I you, be you, all... Like you can't fangirl Well, out. no. I mean, I can't freak them out, right? So, I, you know. You got to I mean... be professional. <laughs> no, I'm good. Like I'm so, you know, I... They, I work with them now. So I work with them now. And um, they're great. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are, I mean, they're still there. They're still committed to the Oilers. They're still mm-hmm. committed to the city. They're mm-hmm. still committed the to the team, the community. Yeah. And they grew up at a time when, the, and not, like, they were so part of the community in That's the 80s. Huge. Like, they were everywhere, right? I remember being, did this happen to you? I remember being at school, Lauren Aikens Junior High School in St. Albert. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, Paul Coffey and Grant Fear and like a few of them just walked in. 
unannounced to play basketball with a bunch of us. Yeah. At, like, yeah. like they used to do stuff like that yeah. all the time. And yeah. I get why that doesn't happen now yeah. because of all of our stupid phones well, and social media. Yeah. yeah. The community was smaller yeah. then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But oh, those were the days. Those were the days. God, yeah. I, loved I have it. to tell you this story that, um, so for my, for my 50th birthday, my, my favorite player growing up was Andy Moog. Mm. And it was Andy Moog because we had the same birthday. And okay. He's 10 years older. But, but So that meant, of course, in my 14-year-old mind, that meant that he had to be my best player because we had the same Well, best birthday. player and at whatever age you were, potentially a husband. Oh. <laughs> you, probably had a, you probably had a crush on him. Yeah, I did have yeah. a crush on him. Yeah. So I can't say that, no, because if I meet him, I might freak oh, him out. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Andy. But uh, yeah, so he was always my he was always my favorite player. And then, so for a surprise, my husband found out where, my husband Andrew found out where he was. I think he's in Portland being a goalie coach or something. Got uh, a jersey sent it down to him, got him to sign it, say happy birthday, Myrna, and then sent it back to me. And wow. so now that hangs up in my office. Nice. Yeah, I know. He's a good dude. He's a Habs fan though, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, he was with them for a little bit too. Yeah. No, my husband. My husband's oh, a Habs. Your hu- husband. Oh, your Yeah, so that. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, not really. They're it's not- fine. It's <laughs> fine. I love the rivalries. Like, I yeah. love that. Not that it's a huge rivalry, yeah. but I do love it. I love it. Like, I, my best friend, Bob, is a, like, diehard flames fan yeah. Yeah. and i love that we do and see we we just had jack michaels on a little while ago. oh yeah and yeah. so jack's episode i think was out just last week or the oh, week cool. before and jack tells some good stories too because i asked him i said so like do you hang out with the team and he goes no like they're separate yeah. we had this really good conversation about it right and he uh he kind of laughs i think it was with messier where the first few times he met him he's like uh, hi, Mark. I'm Jack. And Messi was like, I know, I know who, who you are, are, Jack. Like, you know, he said he kind of had to get over <laughs> yeah, that, right? Yeah. Um, so, what does your job look like? You you said you came in and they were kind of looking to maybe shake things yeah, up a little bit. Yeah. So, what does that mean? Well, so from a you know a governance and a planning perspective, we just came off of our last three year plan, and mm-hmm. in the middle of that three years, uh, there was COVID, mm-hmm. and in the but it was also a time of crazy expansion for the foundation because at that time we had a 50 50 when COVID happened then the 50 50 was able to go online and then that's when it went bananas right Right. and so the foundation is sort of now having to catch up with the fact that we have a responsibility to think about these incredible resources in in a different sort of way. Um, So what that means is, you know, from a business perspective, going through a three-year strategic planning cycle, coming in with the next three years and coming out the other side with uh, uh, an exciting new vision and of what we want to do. And so that's what we did. And at Heritage Classic, which is going to be at the end of this month, we're going to be launching an exciting signature initiative of the foundation called Every Kid Deserves a Shot. Hmm. And so while we'll still have our 50-50s, you know, focused on helping as many people as we can in oil country, and that's our standing up for oil country pillar of the foundation, we're launching something called Every Kid Deserves a Shot where we believe that the power and spirit of hockey here in oil country is so strong because of the Oilers that we have an opportunity to really change the lives, impact the lives of all the kids in oil country. So it's not necessarily just about putting a stick in kids' hands. Um, and we would love to be able to do that. Um, but it's all the things that need to happen before that stick could get in that kid's mm, hands, right? Yeah. It's what happens beside the rink, sure. off the rink, at home, sure. resilience, all that sort of stuff. So we're thinking about 
what that looks like, um, you know, looking at our current partners, kind of pulling them under this umbrella, and really thinking about where we can move the needle on some big things with the partners that we have. Right, right. No, that makes sense. It makes sense for me on a couple of levels. Yeah. And maybe I'm getting this wrong and just mm-hmm. shut me down as soon as you think I am. Hockey's an expensive sport. Mm-hmm. I know this because I had three sons that mm-hmm. played uh, and at for many years all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not accessible to everybody. Yeah. And that that is that's heartbreaking to mm-hmm. me. Uh, people say, "Well, why is you know soccer slash football mm-hmm. so well?" It's pretty cheap, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right around the world. But I think that that if that's the type of stuff you're talking yeah. about to help make it accessible for people, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. But I a thousand percent agree with you that just giving a kid a stick and saying, "Hey, here's access to a sport." Why is it not accessible to that kid? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like those are, and I love that you guys are asking those questions. Yep. Um, I, you now know mm-hmm. that we work with young people mm-hmm. that it's not accessible to mm-hmm. most of them. They come from some pretty tough places, some exactly. places of high dysfunction or poverty mm-hmm. or all the different abuses that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quite often, single parent homes or no parent homes. Mm-hmm. They're living in the systems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's so hard. But if we're not addressing those issues, you're never going to get them to get on some skates and play hockey, anyways. Exactly. You know. So I think that's pretty. You good. just that's described a- it very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Maybe I'll be one of your ambassadors. Maybe. Um, it makes sense. When are when when are you rolling that out, and what does that look like? So we're actually rolling it out um, the weekend of Heritage Classics. Which so, is? Which is October 27th to 29th. Yeah, so it's the a very Heritage, big deal. It's a big deal, yeah. So the game itself is on October 29th at yep. Commonwealth Stadium, and it's between the Oilers and the Flames. Yep. Um, jerseys are pretty cool. Jerseys are pretty cool, yes, yeah. Um, but on October 27th, uh, the foundation is putting on a big fundraising event on Rogers Place ice, uh, covered ice, and it's called Party Like It's 2003 because this is okay. 20 years ago. I was at that game. Were you, oh, you were, yeah. it was minus 30? I was 30. freezing. freezing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about the event. So yeah. it'll be uh, covered ice. Think of it like an indoor street party. Um, we're going to have all the current roster there, so all the current players there. We're cool. going to have a bunch of alumni there, Kevin Lowe, yeah. uh, Grant Fuhrer, uh, yeah. Doug Waite. And it's going to be a big kind of street fair, street party. So there'll be pop-up restaurants. But the fun part is, is that there's going to be these huge games. So like giant Jenga, dartboard, golf, nice. uh, PlayStation 2023, air hockey. And the people who go will have the opportunity to play against the, the Oilers. Oilers. Cool. Because they're competitive, right? And so uh, then we'll have a running total of fans versus Oilers um, and see who wins at the end of the at the end of the at the end of the evening um and so that's where we'll launch it that's and what how do people do people buy tickets for that yeah they, so yeah. they buy tickets um if you're interested in tickets you can email oilers foundation at edmonton oilers.com okay um yeah and it'll that be cool. a lot of fun and so that's where we will launch we will officially launch uh, every kid deserves a shot. Yeah, that, I like that, that name event. too. Every kid deserves yeah, a shot. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. What does this mean for? I mean, you're going to keep the fifty fifties going. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but what does this mean for charities that are still wanting to get 
support from the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, so the, nothing has really changed in terms of the the fifty fifty, and we have community, we have grants as well. So yeah. we're always looking for partners for that. Yeah. What this means is that now that we have a focus on the every kid deserves a shot side, uh, the and and we think about the impact that we want to make, the number of kids that we want to help, um, we'll be actively looking for partners to mm-hmm. be part of that. And what type and, of partners are you looking for? Well, right now I can tell you some of them that we do have, yeah. which which makes sense from the from the hockey side. So. So we've got free play for kids, yep. kids sport, uh, yep. Sports Central, uh, Hockey Alberta Foundation, yep. and that's really focusing on, you know, the on ice or getting yep. them on ice. I think part of it will be looking at the the pieces before that, right? You know how you know the pieces to get them on the ice too. So it'll be a process of trying to think about because it's that side could be huge. Sure, it's everything. Sure, and we can't be everything to everybody. No. So it's just honing in on what those pieces are, and um, you know building a, a, a group of partners that can help us do this. So then some of the partners are maybe like charities or nonprofits within oil country, yes, yeah, right? Which yeah. is not just Edmonton. No, it's this not. This is yeah. Northern Alberta. Yeah, Red Deer North. What, I was going to say, what is the region? Red Deer North, North, okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe somebody in McLennan. Maybe somebody in McLennan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can always bring it back to I know. Bring you and I need to, to do a road trip it, to McLennan. I've never been there. Oh, jeepers. I haven't been since grade seven. Okay. Remember I told you I was there? I went to my first concert ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, not in McLennan. It was in Grand Prairie because yeah. I don't think McLennan has concerts. McLennan. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyways, charities that are looking are probably charities that are serving children and youth. Yeah. Is that fair to say? That's a fair to say, right. yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. But the sta- you know, again, the Standing Up for Oil Country program will, is for everybody, right? right? Yeah. Right. What is... What, what is the, uh, uh, this is such a goofy question. What's the funnest part of your job or like <laughs> the best part of your job? Now for, uh, we can't say running into Paul coffee yeah, yeah, in the, in yeah. the, because that's pretty fun. Pretty that's pretty cool. fun. Yeah. But like for you as a human being, the way you are with your values, yeah. what's led you to this point, what is your favorite part? I, yeah, I love that. I get to go to work every day, be in an environment that is so driven and so entrepreneurial and take that energy towards doing good to the community. Mm. Like it's just for me, it's the perfect mix of business purpose coming together. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about it. So this is, you know, I, the way I describe this job, Kyle is like, like I've had some pretty, I've had some big jobs, right? And they, they were big jobs. It's the kind of job that you get that you, that you earned. You earned after doing all those crappy sure. jobs. Sure. Not crappy, but, Not crappy, but, yeah, but, but they, they were tough. But, right? but tough jobs where you're, you're earning your stripes and where yeah. you're, you're grinding it out. Yeah. You're being relentless. Yeah. And then this is almost like a, This is like, this is the job. job. This is the job. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's right. not it doesn't come with its its foibles, of course, but it's like well, every job does, yeah. right? I mean, every job. I mean, there's a ton of shit in my job yeah. that I procrastinate on because I'm like, I do not want to do that yeah. piece, but you have to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. The Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Use Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Use Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www.youcan.ca. 
Do you think, let's go back. Now we're going to go back to almost the beginning of this conversation around the CSR stuff. Uh So the corporate social responsibility. When do you figure that type, type of stuff? So, I mean, listen, companies were always sponsoring things and, yeah. you know, a local baseball team yeah. to the Edmonton Oilers. Like yeah. there was sponsorship stuff yeah. more than, we'll call it donations or yeah. what I like to call investments, investments. Yeah. Yeah. into a charity, uh-huh. right? When do you think that really started kicking off? Late 90s? Yeah, I would Probably. say late 90s. And unfortunately, what I think happened is it took a couple of companies to get into some real deep shit for it to happen, right? So there was, there's the there's the opportunity side of corporate social responsibility, which is about building brand and mm-hmm. thinking about the next generation and how social causes are important to them. But there's also companies that, you know, did bad things yes. and they needed to have, you know, a community investment strategy or a corporate social responsibility to to rebuild up their their, their image their image right so what's been interesting to watch is and I remember this because I I, I remember it by plane uh, airplane conversations right because you get an airplane you sit next to someone they ask you what you yeah, do yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. so early on when I was working for this organization I would say you know I would they would ask what I do and I would get this oh, that's so sweet. Mm. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Good for you trying to make the difference. And then as it progressed, um, you know, as it got more main, a little more mainstream and it was tied into the idea of managing risk, uh, you know, attracting talent, you know, the actual business value side of it, then I could see, then I could see it change, right? And so now it's become a little bit more mainstream, I think. I think it is too. Yeah. What's interesting about the the plane ride conversations is I've had those too. Mm-hmm. And, and, where I've seen the change, mind you, I haven't been on a plane for a while, but where I've seen the change is I used to have a lot of people go, oh, is that is that a job? <laughs> you know, where I'd be like, yeah. oh, I work for UKU Services. Yeah. And, and I usually don't introduce myself as executive yeah. director, yeah. but like, you know, I work for UKU Services. And they, they just assumed it was volunteer yeah. work. Yeah. Where that's changed a bit now, where people, I think, are understanding. One, one thing that, that I find interesting is when we talk about corporations and when we talk about... Uh, them giving. I, I like the word investment because I think that people don't look at charities the right way all mm. the time. We are a business. Mm-hmm. We are, but we are a non-profit mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. So to me, the difference between us and this for-profit company mm-hmm. is no one's making money. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. But we are a business. Yes, money's yeah. coming in. Yeah. Money's going out, and yeah. we actually have a product. Yeah. And that product are the lives that we're trying to change. And I wish more people would look at it that way. Instead of saying, we're going to give you, uh, we'll use fake numbers. Here's a $50,000, but it has to go towards uh, the food that you're buying for this lunch program you're doing for youth. That's all it can go towards. And I go, okay, but if you invest it into the organization and if you trust us, where we can utilize that money potentially for marketing yeah. or for a campaign of some sort, that fifteen that fifty thousand dollars might yield five million dollars. Exactly. Yeah. So imagine what that five million dollars is gonna do for a lunch program. Yeah. Like I just think that people need to start thinking about this differently. Agreed. Agreed. And that's the, what you're talking about is that concept of you know, they went from sort of transactional philanthropy to strategic philanthropy. And what you're saying is transformational philanthropy, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. like taking it exponential. And, and I think there are a few corporations out there that get it. Like mm-hmm. they're they're willing to 
you know, be alongside with a charity or an organization and build out those KPIs and mm -hmm. think about all of that versus, you know, I need this money to go to here. It can't go to any of your operations whatsoever because, you know, that's all extra stuff. Mm -hmm. Why would a not-for-profit need to think about administration, marketing, all that sort of thing. Yeah, all the things that all the a things business it, it needs thinks to about. do, exactly. Because they don't look at us like we're a business. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And although I do think it's shifting a bit. It is, yeah. Um, oh, and I do not, I just lost it. There's a movie on Sunday. Who's this fellow that, it was 2013. Oh, I should have come prepared with this. <laughs> Didn't think we were going to talk about it though. Uh, Dan, Dan Pelota. Oh, yeah. uh was and, it the corporate and he has this youtube ted or a ted yeah. ted yes, talk from yes. like 10 years yeah. ago. he's done a lot of stuff there's a movie happening on sunday oh cool that one showing in canada uh across in different cities that they've done a documentary basically on a lot of the type of stuff that he's oh, talking cool. about about kind of flipping this fundraising yeah. stuff on their yeah. heads right i'll yeah. get you the information yeah that'd be great I don't know if you're busy Sunday. I literally have an extra ticket. Okay, you want to well, go? Okay, well, maybe, yeah, I'll check. <laughs> um, me, me and a couple board members in my fund development yeah. are going. But <clears throat> I just find it so interesting to look at it this way. One, because I raise money for a charity. Yeah. But two, because it just makes sense to me. Yeah. It's kind of like fundraising. So, you know, I've been having these conversations as well. And I understand that there's all these ethical things around fundraising and stuff. And I fully get that. And I think the reason why some people look at charities where... I don't know, given what it is, because there's a lack of trust because yeah. some big charities have screwed exactly. some people yeah. over. Yeah. But so have some corporations. So exactly. Some, like we are, we are so different in the charity world, yet I think that we need to still stand up for ourselves and don't be treated like the little charity. Yeah. So I try not to walk around like the little charity begging for money. Yeah. If you want to be part of us, be part of yeah. us. If you believe in what we're doing, then be part of us. Yeah. That's the way that I look at Love it. Love it. You know? Um, yeah, I just find it all fascinating. Mm -hmm. I really, really do. Mm -hmm. So how does one, uh, let's speak to the charities out there. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, like I know how to do this because like we're in the midst of doing some of this mm -hmm. stuff. But how does how does a charity, uh, small, big, medium, whatever it is, how do they get involved with you guys, yeah. potentially get involved yeah. with you guys? Because it's an application process. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um uh, for the we, our applications for 5050s are always open so it's on our website um, there's an application there we just opened up our, our grants uh, a few weeks ago and there's application there um, we are as we build out every kid deserves a shot we're going to be thinking about the kinds of buckets that are underneath that and we'll probably have some sort of call or it'll be the foundation proactively going out because obviously we've worked with many organizations in the past. Um, and so I haven't quite figured out what that side looks like, but again, the business is still the business around the 50-50 and what we do. And so that's mm -hmm. still available. Mm -hmm. yeah. And where can people find that? That's on the uh, Oilers uh, website. If you go Oilers dot com slash community you'll get to okay. uh, you'll get to the and just navigate your way through yeah. that yeah perfect mm -hmm. well this has been a fun conversation yeah are you, are you feeling okay about it absolutely we've sworn a little bit it's okay we I, I work for the railroad i had to exactly I, <laughs> exactly um i work with that risk youth i don't really anymore. <laughs> I, my staff always tell me kyle maybe don't talk to the young people you're not, you're really not as cool as you think you are i'm like okay i stay away um moving forward here i'm excited to see what you're going to do with the foundation i love the fact that you're going in there and you're kind of 
coming up with some new stuff. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there's a team of people around yeah. you, right? Yeah, um, yeah. How many people work there? There's four of us. Four of you? Mm-hmm. And then you've got your board. Got the board, yeah, yes. And yeah. I'm assuming they're very engaged. They're very engaged, yeah, yes. Which is good. Yeah, yeah they're great. Which is good. Um, we're going to end with what we call the relentless quiz. Oh, And fun. this is essentially, I believe that we've determined that you're a relentless person. Okay. Almost. Okay. <laughs> so the relentless, we've thrown a ton of, we might ask for a grant oh, to, okay, uh, okay. To, to put more into the relentless okay, quiz because it. it is riveting. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, just so you know, these were all the notes on you and all the questions. Oh, and, you, I, and didn't I, think, I didn't see you turn a page. I didn't look at them once. <laughs> That's pretty good, though, eh? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I remembered some shit, and yeah. then I just wanted to talk to you. Okay. So, here we go. This is going to determine it. Okay. You have to answer every question. Okay. That's the only yeah, no, rule. I'll do it. Yeah. Myrna. Mm-hmm. Fruits or vegetables? Fruits. City or countryside? City. Dirty bathroom? Or dirty kitchen? Well, if I had to choose one, I'd choose the kitchen over the bathroom. Salty or sweet? Sweet. Morning or night? Night. Favorite comedy movie? Oh, oh man. Um, I got so many. I have a, a genre. Like, I love the Christopher Guest, like, Spinal Tap Okay. Best in show, Waiting for Guffman. But the movie that I remember where I literally like was rolling out of my chair because I didn't know what to expect was Borat. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this is honestly, I think, one of my favorite questions. It is my favorite question because it really shows what I can say or not say to somebody. Okay. <laughs> okay. Borat, I like you. Shocking. Oh no! I just like, but yet rolling on the oh, ground yeah, laughing, literally, because it was like, what is happening what is in happening this movie? Yeah. It's so funny, yeah. so good. I love that. That's your your fave. Uh, big party or small gathering? <sighs> small gathering. Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no phone in the bathroom. You're lying, and I'll tell know, you why. I'm, you're lying. Lying. <laughs> I'm lying. I'm totally lying. <laughs> Because you had to think. You know, I know, do, I know. Do What's I? the right answer? Yeah, everyone takes a phone in the bathroom. I don't care. Everybody does yeah, it. Everybody yeah. does it. Favorite love song of all time. Think of Andrew right now. <laughs> oh, man. I'm thinking about uh, favorite love song. I'm going back to the 80s with Air Supply. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, two questions left. Cake or pie? cake okay last question mm-hmm. describe your relentless podcast experience in four words fucking awesome bring me back all right i think that's five words <laughs> I but know, I we'll just, do it i was like we'll counting <laughs> We'll do it. Um, let me let me say this to you. I have I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation a couple few weeks ago in my office. Um, I'm kind of a little bit sad that we didn't know each other before <laughs> because I think we have a lot of stuff in common. Yeah. One, the era we grew up in, mm-hmm. um, our relentless attitudes, Kevin Fitzgerald. <laughs> 
Shout out to Fitzy. I've never Fitzy. called him. Did, did you call him Fitzy? I never yeah, called, I called him that. I called okay. him once, yeah. Fitzy, shout out to F- Kevin Fitzgerald, who is still at McEwen. He's still at McEwen, yeah. yeah. Um, shout out to my friend Aaron Fletcher in Belfast, who you don't know. You'd mm-hmm. love him, though. He's a good time. Mm-hmm. But the, I'll tell you what, you're, 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 the whole time here was great. The one thing that is really sticking out to me, uh, how old is your daughter? 14. 14. Gracie? Gracie, yeah. Does Gracie know what you did, what you and Andrew did? She's still, no, not yet. She'll, she'll realize that at some point, but everything that we do right now is exasperating. I hope you don't mind me saying this. Mm-hmm. Gracie is so blessed. Oh, thank that you. That you and Andrew said, this is taking too long. Yeah. We're going there. Mm-hmm. And you just went and did that. Yeah. Um. I just think it's a beautiful story. Thank you. And uh, don't get me wrong. I love your whole story. Mm-hmm. But that sticks out to me so mm-hmm. much. It's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. It mm-hmm. really is. So um, good for you, Gracie. Yeah. Well, we're blessed to have her. Absolutely. She's amazing. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. it's such an amazing thing. I just I just give you guys such credit for that and, and just admire that so much. Mm. I love the fact that we have a McLennan connection. <laughs> yes. We will do a road trip one day. Yeah. <laughs> Drive to McLennan. There's maybe 300 people there now. Yeah. Uh, have breakfast at a diner yeah. if they have one. They have, I don't yeah. even know. Um, but thank you so much for being on here. Where can we find all the stuff? It's, it's it basically com slash community. Yeah. That's where we're going to find all the yeah. stuff on the Community Foundation. Yeah. Uh, Heritage Classic. Mm-hmm. People can still buy tickets for that. They can. And they, they can, can come to this event that you're having yeah. on the Saturday. 27th, uh, which is the Friday. If you're interested, uh, Oilers Foundation at edmontonoilers.com. Awesome. Myrna, thank you so much. for. And how about you personally? Do you want to give out your socials? Like, are you on the Twitter? Are you on the old Instagram? I, I'm not active, though. Yeah. Me I'm either. more of a watcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Folks, uh, if you want to find out more about You Can Use Services, you go to www.youcan.ca. That's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca. Go there, maybe look into our Relentless merch, look into the stuff that we do. Thank you for listening. Myrna, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Until the next time. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.